Well, we have all heard the saying, hope springs eternal, right? And if you are a baseball fan, which if you're listening to this show, I am assuming you are, uh, that sentiment definitely springs to life. Uh, you can appreciate all my puns later, but uh, with spring training, the verbiage of catchers and pitchers reporting just lights a fire under you, gets you excited. It's the start of a brand new season. And whether your team is looking to be great, whether your team is looking to be good next year already, <laughs> uh, then it doesn't matter. Like just spring training rolls around. And if you're a fan of baseball, you're excited right now. For me, it is my favorite baseball experience, spring training, bar none. Uh, the, I live in Arizona, and so I live where the Cactus League is. So 15 uh, of the teams hold their spring training here. And so I get kind of a front row seat. To, to spring training. And I absolutely love it. I've been to every single stadium here and it's my favorite ballpark experience, whether it's major leagues, minor leagues, spring training, WBC, high school, college, whatever. It doesn't matter. Spring training is my favorite ballpark experience. And so for me, every time spring training rolls around, it's just so exciting as a lover of baseball. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit about that today. We'll hit on a few different topics today, we'll talk about this spring training being a little bit different in terms of the new rules that are being implemented and practiced. We'll talk about some of my experiences with spring training since I am here in Arizona. I do have a lot of different experiences with spring training that uh, make it special. And then uh, lastly, I am going to power rank since I am here in the Cactus League. I'm going to power rank my five best spring training experienced ballparks. So my five favorite ballparks, my experiences there, and what those were for spring training on this episode of Thinking Baseball, where we are using our brains, not just our opinions. You're listening to the Variety Sports Network, your home for the best sports podcasters and live shows. All right, so we'll start right off the bat. Uh, we talk a lot about old school versus new school, right? So let's talk right at the beginning about the rule changes that are, that are being implemented. Over the last couple of weeks, I've had the privilege to jump on a lot of different baseball shows, a lot of different podcasts. Uh, feel free to go check them out. Um, seventh Inning Stretch, uh, Back That Astros Up. Um, what else? Shoot. Oh, Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports. Sorry, guys. Almost forgot you because uh, that one was a blast. And so lots of different shows I've been jumping on to discuss with other people here and other shows here at Variety Sports Network that I'm now a part of. And it's been a blast talking about these new rule changes and how they're going to affect things, how they're already affecting things in spring training. I mean, we saw a game that we've all talked about that ended on a uh, strike three violation of the batter not getting set and a game ending in a tie because of that. It was just absolutely crazy right so talking about these new rule changes we're talking about the bases mostly and the pitch clock mostly uh there's some other uh kind of minor things in terms of the amount of pickoff attempts stuff like that 
all those different things. It's spring training. So the ghost runner doesn't really come into play because they don't really play extra innings. So let's focus on the obvious one first, right? Everybody's talking about the pitch clock and how it's affecting both batters and pitchers. And I have really enjoyed this uh, much more than I thought I would. Um, I thought it was going to take a lot of adjustment and that it was going to be just kind of a chaos fest. I don't even know what to call it. And to an extent it has been, but not as much as I thought it would be. Uh, but it is just, I've really enjoyed it. And I didn't think that I would enjoy it as much as I have. I come from uh, the old school of thinking that baseball is unique because it doesn't have a clock. I get that. I get that argument. However, I don't believe at the end of the day that we are messing with the essence of the game itself in terms of it being untimed. Like, yes, there's a timer for pitches and for being ready, uh, but there's no time limit or time uh, cap or anything like that on the total of the game or the amount of innings played or anything like that. So to me, the essence of baseball is still the same of there not being a clock, even though that there is a smaller clock quote unquote within the game right now. So to me, it satisfies that itch for me of that old school mentality of baseball being unique. This way of doing things is, is satisfying that for me. Now I'm also from the school of thought of as a batter you should be ready to hit like none of this get out of the box walk around take a lap adjust your gloves adjust all your body armor first of all like we didn't have body armor when i was a kid but <laughs> we when i was playing the game i i ended up as i got older i ended up wearing a shin guard but that was about it uh and then but it's it's just too long of a process like i hated guys like Nar Nomar Garcia Parra that would take forever to get back in the box. I'm like, let's go. Let's play baseball. You don't need to be spending forever to adjust every little thing to get in the box. Like you should be comfortable in the box, just getting in and hitting, not having to adjust every little thing. I mean, it's at that point, go get yourself tested for OCD, man. Cause I'm just like, you, you don't need that many, uh, quirks to get ready to hit a baseball. Yes. Hitting a baseball is hard. I get that. That aside, you don't need that many steps to get ready to face a pitcher. Uh, same thing with the pitcher. I used to hate pitchers that, uh, for example, uh, Johnny Cueto or, um, just, I'm trying to think of, uh, some other ones. Hideo Nomo was another one. Uh, just, uh, more recently, uh, Cortez from the Yankees. Uh, so just these guys that would change up their delivery and in ways that to me felt illegal and it was illegal technically, uh, according to the rules, it's just, it was never enforced because runners weren't on base. So they wouldn't call it a Bach. Uh, but it was never enforced as an illegal pitch. It was never enforced as, uh, like an automatic ball or like a repitch or anything like that. And so these pitchers would get away with a lot of misdirection, mistiming, and things to mess with the hitter that I personally did not agree with. Now, I'm not a pitcher, so my heart is definitely not with them in this category, uh, but my heart is with the hitters. So I totally get that uh, you're trying to deceive the hitter, but you can do that in ways that is not an illegal pitch, whether it's hiding the ball differently, different release points, stuff like that. You can 
change speeds, obviously, change pitches, change locations, stuff like that. There are all these different ways as a pitcher to deceive the batter. You don't need all these extra gimmicks and taking forever to throw a ball, uh, a la uh, Kenley Jansen or uh, Shohei Itani, just taking forever to just throw the ball. So I'm loving the pitch clock. Uh, the couple of games that I've made it to in this spring training so far, I have uh, loved watching it. I have not felt sitting in the stands watching the game. I have not felt rushed watching the game or that I'm feeling. Uh, I saw one person post uh, this week saying that they were feeling that they felt like they were being rushed out of the stadium and not getting their money's worth or whatever. Uh, I think that's a little bogus. I didn't feel that way at all. Um, and so I, I'm, I am, I'm really enjoying this pitch clock thing. I am enjoying the new, uh, kind of combination of encouraging base running. Uh, I am enjoying that, um, in terms of there's definitely been a lot more movement on the base pass, a lot more steals, a lot more, uh, movement there's been, uh, with the shifts and kind of the uh, restriction on shifts that we've seen. I talk a lot about that in episode two of Thinking Baseball. So if you want to go back and watch that, I expand on that rule specifically uh, for an entire episode. So you can go listen to that. It's one of my most watched episodes. Go take a look at that. I encourage you to do that. Um, but uh, I've seen just a lot more movement, a lot more action in the game. And that's been really cool and is actually to me anyway has really harkened back to old school baseball of you did not want to miss a pitch you did not want to miss a single thing happening and so i i love that being brought brought back excuse me uh into the game i love it and so it, it's not this thing anymore where you can just get up and wander around and go get a drink or go walk around the stadium forever and and not really miss much like you could get up and go walk around the stadium and miss a full inning i mean it's just and so i i love that aspect of bringing back the engagement into the game and i feel like yes it's kind of a new school thing but at the heart of it, I do feel like it's hearkening back to that old school feel of like, you don't want to miss anything. Like you sat and you watched the game. There wasn't all this extra stuff to do during a baseball game. And so I am loving that about the game and I'm loving spring training uh, and seeing how all this is getting implemented. Is it perfect yet? Absolutely not. I would probably vote for just a flat time, whether there's guys on base or not, so that pitchers aren't having to uh, adjust to different timing. But that's just a minor tweak. Obviously it's going to take guys some getting used to as well. I think we'll see a lot less violations as the season goes on. And that's just because people, people got to get used to new stuff, right? I think we're, we're making mountains out of molehills here about, uh, just the amount of violations that there have been. And to be honest, there's not that many, like let's calm down a little bit. Yes. There's been some very, uh, interesting instances of it, but at the heart of it, there's there's not a ton like it's not slowing down the game it's not uh distracting from the game i don't feel like in any way now the games i've been to i sat right next to first base that's kind of where i wanted to be so that i could kind of see the different elements of uh base stealing especially and i've really enjoyed that i went to a game where they had three stolen bases just in the first inning i mean it was incredible it was just the amount of movement and the way that players are starting to use these new rules to their advantage, not just hitters, but pitchers as well. And trying to use the advantage of the pitch clock uh, with any new rule, right? Players are going to try and find an edge, right? I, I've seen 
multiple reports, multiple articles, multiple discussions about how pitchers are using the pitch clock to their advantage. Flip of the coin, hitters are using the pitch clock to their advantage. Base runners are using everything to their advantage. I mean, there's just any player, if you're good at what you do, you're going to use the rules to your advantage. That's been something in baseball since it started. All right. So let's not pretend that changing the rules is or something like that, that guys are trying to leverage uh, something that's um, shady, <laughs> right? Like baseball has always been the sport where it's like, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? It's kind of a prevailing uh, theory and strategy. So uh, like trying to use these new rules to your advantage, I am all for, I love seeing the, the creativity and trying to use it, whether it's timing the pitch clock and timing the pitcher to steal a base uh, or using the extra uh, advantage of you're only allowed a certain amount of pickoffs and lengthening your lead, whatever it is. I am loving how players are starting to try and invent ways to leverage these new rules. It's really, really cool. Really, really interesting. Really, really fascinating for me, uh, especially the premise of this show about thinking baseball and using our brains and thinking through things and trying to uh, use our minds to play this very mental game. And so love seeing that. And so I will say too, just spring training is just my favorite. As I said in the intro, uh, it's my favorite ballpark experience. It's just, it's smaller. There's not as many fans in the stadium. You do get more of kind of an intimate experience, uh, a lot more smells, a lot more uh, sounds, uh, just that you're able to experience that you don't get to experience at a regular season game in a major league ballpark. And so I just, I love that. I love the idea of field seats. I love that old school idea of sitting out, having a picnic on the lawn and watching a ball game. I just absolutely love that. I do that with my kids uh, every year. And it's just, it's so much fun to go and just sit on the lawn and watch a baseball game while we're eating our lunch and they absolutely adore it. They love it. They love wandering around, wandering down to the fence on the lawn seats and uh, talking to players in the bullpen or asking for balls to be thrown up to them. I mean, just all these different experiences that you can experience at spring training that you can't necessarily experience as easily in a major league ballpark that I just really, really love. So I would, I would highly recommend to anybody, if you haven't gotten a chance to go to Arizona or go to Florida for spring training, it's well worth it. It's so worth it. It's so cool. It's such a great experience. And I've been lucky enough to have some really unique experiences in uh in spring training and so i mean i've gotten to tour clubhouses i've been able to talk with players i've been able to uh not only because of my uh relationships and and attachments to uh podcasting and stuff like that and what i do but also just in my history and my relationships and my experience in the game and stuff like that it, and just kind of random things and random relationships that i've made uh that have been really really cool to experience spring training in ways that most people have not and uh one just quick example was i was actually working one time at a bookstore and the uh the chaplain for the texas rangers came into the bookstore looking for bibles for his for his team for the guys that were attending chapel 
And so he came in and we got to talking, of course, I'm a big baseball guy. So we got to talking and, uh, found out that he was the chaplain at the, for the Rangers and stuff like that. And just building this relationship. And, and he is like, yeah, if you want to ever want to come to a game, come to a game, it'll be fun. And so I got a chance to go to a game as a guest of the chaplain for the new, for the, uh, I almost said the New York Rangers. That was weird <laughs> for the Texas Rangers. And so, uh, that, that experience was just a lot of fun and, and seeing kind of how they do their chapel and how they, um, how they uh, engage in their faith when they're on the road and traveling so much and stuff like that. So that was super interesting to me. Um, and so experiences like that experiences, like I said, with my kids being able to uh, talk to players, approach players, ask for autographs, ask for uh, a souvenir baseball stuff like that is just super fun. Um, I'll tell another story uh, later. I'll kind of tease that when I get to my number one, for my power rankings in terms of the ballparks. But uh, let's get into that a little bit. I'll tell some of my stories kind of as we go along in, in these power rankings. And so I'm going from the Cactus League. So I have not been to any of the Grapefruit Leagues. If you have been to the Grapefruit League uh, games, if you've been to any other stadiums, um, feel free to hit me up in the comments, hit me up on Twitter or IG. I would love to hear stories from that league as well. Uh, but all these stories, all these rankings will come specifically from the Cactus Practice League here in Arizona, where I am uh, living and stationed, so to speak. Uh, and so my, we'll just do top five. And so my, my number five, let's start from the bottom, work our way up, build some momentum here. My number five is one that I actually didn't knock out until this year. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, there were just a couple things off on it uh, that I didn't really enjoy. And so it's why it that's why it is down at number five. There were uh, some logistical things like parking and stuff like that that could have done a lot, could have been done a lot better that uh, brought it down from being higher ranked. Uh, but that is Sloan Park for the uh, home of the Chicago Cubs, uh, one of the newer ballparks, the newest ballpark for uh, Cactus League spring training. And what I just love about it, and I, like I said, I went to it uh, last weekend for the first time and uh, for opening day. So it was packed house. Uh, it was against the Giants and just absolutely packed and every seat filled every not a space on the lawn uh, available. It was just so fun to see a spring training game like that, uh, to be able to see all the different. They do a great job paying homage to Wrigley in that stadium. And so obviously it's, it's the Cubs Wrigley's oldest ballpark, yada, 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 whatever. But it's just, it, they do a really great job. I'm a really big fan of, of details and of small details. And so like the flagpole being like it is at Wrigley, the, the different brick walls and Ivy walls and stuff like that, that they put up uh, around the stadium, uh, the Wrigley field sign that they have there, uh, that says Sloan park on it is just all the Wrigley field themed things are, are just really, really cool and really, really cool details. Like somebody really thought that out. I mean, they're, they're food boxes, like the boxes that you have your food in as you're, as you're carrying them to your seat are shaped like home plate. Like that's cool to me. <laughs> like just little, little details like that. Um, Josh, why are you getting excited about a cardboard box? Well, Cause I love baseball and I love little details like that. All right. Uh, it's the shape of home plate. It's just cool. All right. I feel cool carrying my little home plate lunch box around. All right. Uh, but so for, for me, number five is Sloan park for the Chicago Cubs. Number four, 
This one's kind of a, an under the radar pick uh, for me. So I grew up in Southern California. And I, so I grew up uh, rooting for the Angels. They were my hometown team. And so um, they they have spring training in Tempe. So that's my number four uh, is Tempe Diablo Stadium. I think it's still Diablo Stadium. Yeah, Tempe Diablo Stadium. Uh, and so that's home for the Angels. And my experience with that one is I've been there multiple times uh, just through different relationships with the Angels, uh, relationship with my dad, uh, being an Angels fan. As obviously, uh, we'd, we'd go to Angels games at Tempe. The, those are all great, but, but my favorite memory was I went with a buddy of mine and we just kind of on a whim, we're like, let's, let's buy the most expensive seats in the place, not a suite, but like, let's buy the most expensive like seats in the place. Cause again, one of the great things about spring training is it's way cheaper than a made than a regular season, major league baseball game as well. And so we're like, this was years ago. And so it was like dirt cheap to go to a, a spring training game. And so we're like, let's get the most expensive seats in the place, which I think were like 40 bucks, right? So dating myself a little bit there, but we're like, let's go to a, a let's go to a game and, and buy the closest seats we can find. And so we sat two rows behind home plate for this spring training game. And we ended up like, there's this little commotion and, and whatnot. Uh, it was right in the middle of spring training. So it wasn't like a special game or anything like that. And so the, the crowd was pretty thin. But we ended up sitting uh, right behind. We had no idea. We were sitting right behind the owner's box. And so uh, the way that that stadium was set up at the time, the owner's box was actually right behind home plate, right near the dugout. And they had like special kind of like bigger seats and, and whatnot. And so we didn't know that. And there was nobody there when we first got there. So we didn't think anything of it. And there's this little commotion uh, like right after the start of the game. And we're like, okay, no big deal. And Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels, ends up sitting right in front of us. And so that was just super cool because he was I, like, I, I give him a lot of crap for for the owner that he is for the Angels. But this was back when he kind of first bought the Angels. And so it he he does strike me as as a nice guy, at least. And or at least my experience with him was exceedingly pleasant uh i mean he turned around and talked with us chatted with us uh asked how excited we were about uh the season even though neither of us were angels fans per se like i said i grew up rooting for the angels but i'm not an angels fan per se uh and so uh my buddy is a white Sox fan uh that we went to the game and so it was just super cool to go to that game and to experience that and um just an amazing experience talking to an owner of a baseball team at spring training. So that was super cool. And so that puts it up at number five, the stadium itself isn't anything super special to write home about. It's just a nice stadium. Uh, nothing really specific that jumps out at you. For me, it was more about the experience and the memories that are attached to that one. So for that reason is also why number three comes up. Number three for me is Scottsdale stadium, uh, home of the San Francisco giants. And if you've been around this show at all, if you've heard me on uh, seventh inning stretch here on BSN, uh, you will know that I am a Giants fan uh, by nature and lover of baseball, realist when it comes to expectations and whatnot. But I am by nature a Giants fan. And so Scottsdale Stadium for me is really, really cool. 
and it's cool to be there every time i've gone it's like a regular season game the buzz is amazing and it's just really really cool to be around that stadium around the guys that i like around the guys that i root for and cheer for on a daily basis and so uh that's been a lot of fun and it's just been really, really cool to see uh, the Giants multiple times here in Arizona for spring training. Uh, next year, I'm planning on doing, uh, they have a special Giants run where they do a 5K where you get to end the, the 5K uh, on the field and uh, at Scottsdale Stadium. And so I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, but lots of different things, lots of different memories. Um, the, the stadium itself is really cool. Uh, just kind of uh, snuck in. Uh, within the city of Scottsdale and uh, just a really cool stadium to experience. And so my, my favorite team, the giants, they get the number three spot for the, for their spring training facility at Scottsdale. Absolutely love it. Takes my number three spot. Number two, and this one is uh, more about the experience. So I mentioned in the story about the Rangers uh, chaplain and my experience there. Uh, so number two for me is Surprise Stadium. Uh, surprise. Uh, I know um, a lot of people say surprise. Is that a real place? Yes, it's a real place. <laughs> uh, it is the, the where uh, the Rangers and the Royals have their spring training. And so, like I said, I already shared this story about the uh, chaplain and whatnot. But for me, that stadium takes number two just because just for the environment, like the environment is just phenomenal. Like it's a beautiful ballpark, uh, beautiful complex beautiful workout facilities. I mean, like, uh, have I said beautiful enough? It's just, it, you go there and you're just blown away by how beautiful it is. And, um, to top that all off, it's just, like I said, it's a beautiful ball field, but then to top that all off, it's very close to a lot of the kind of retirement communities in Arizona. And so surprise being one of them, sun city is not too far away and, and stuff like that. So you have a lot of kind of older folks that are working at the ballpark. Uh, and it's just kind of something fun for them and something that they do in retirement. And let me tell you, man, it's a lot of fun. I, the, the reason that this ballpark makes number two for me, the biggest reason is the staff at surprise stadium. Their people are absolutely phenomenal. You can get into an amazing baseball conversation with anybody there whether it's the usher whether it's the ticket person whether it's the security whether like it doesn't matter who it is you can get into such a great conversation and a lot of these people have been baseball fans for years i mean some of them longer than i've been alive i mean just it's just such a cool experience to interact with the staff there because so many of them are from the more old school generations uh, that are older than me. And so it's really fun as a student of the game and as a fan of the history of the game, I've really enjoyed seeing uh, these people and talking to these people who have experienced so much in the game. Um, some people have been working there a long time even. I mean, it's just, it's a super fun experience. And so that's what hits number two for me. And so that leaves me to number one. And this one will probably never be topped. And it's because of the story that I'm going to tell in regards to the attachment, the emotions that go into it. Um, but for me, it number one is Goodyear Ballpark. And for those who know me personally, you'll know right away why it's number one. Uh, but let me tell the story and um, hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully it makes you smile. But uh, 
Goodyear ballpark, number one for me, uh, Reds and the Guardians now. Uh, I've uh, been there since they were the Indians. I've uh, been there uh, visiting and going to games there uh, since uh, it opened. And so I've been to the first game there. And so there's an emotional attachment there for me. And it's just a really nice ballpark. They do everything well. Uh, I actually have a personal relationship with uh, the former operations manager there. And he was just phenomenal. His team was phenomenal. Uh, he hasn't been there for uh, some time now, but uh, just a lot of great memories with him and his staff uh, just making our experiences uh, just absolutely phenomenal every, every time. The ballpark itself is gorgeous. It's uh, really, really nice. Their parking is amazing. You're, you're in and out of there very, very quickly, which for me is just a matter of convenience, especially with kids uh, that just takes it over the top. And it's just a beautiful ballpark, a wonderful experience. Every time I go, I've never been disappointed, even if it's teams that I don't care about that are playing. Uh, have never had a bad experience at Goodyear Ballpark. So shout out number one to Goodyear Ballpark. But why it's number one for me is the emotional and memorial attachment I have to it because my wife and I had our wedding reception at Goodyear Ballpark. Yes, we had our wedding reception at Goodyear Ballpark. We had our wedding reception on the deck overlooking the field we were able to go on the field for part of it. We had our own personal wiffle ball tournament at the ballpark. Um, there are just so many memories wrapped up in that ballpark. A uh, little bit of background. Obviously, my wife knew going into this marriage that baseball was my first love, not my greatest love. She is definitely that. Uh, my wife is absolutely incredible. Uh, but the she knew going in that baseball was my first love. Like my parents said, that they knew that I was going to marry Rachel because my eyes lit up when I was around her the same way my eyes lit up when I was around baseball. And so that's how they knew that Rachel was the one. Um, and so little aside there that uh, like my wife is phenomenal. So we're talking about getting married, right? And we're talking about, she had very specific as most gals do. She had very specific ideas of what she wanted her wedding ceremony to look like. And so we went through that and, and I'm like, okay, that all sounds cool. Um, and, and I kind of threw it out as a joke, 100% joking, 100% joking. Let me make that clear that I'm like, well, we could have our reception at a ballpark. And she looks over at me completely serious and she goes, okay. And so I had to sit, I had to look, I had to sit up. I was laying down. I had to sit up and look at her in the face. I'm like, now listen, Rachel, this is serious. Don't toy with me right now. <laughs> this is. This would be like a dream come true type of thing for me. Uh, th something that I never actually even dreamed of until just now when I threw out the joke. Don't toy with me. Are you serious? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do the let's do the wedding ceremony. And then we'll have the we'll have I'll have the wedding ceremony. You can have the wedding reception. I'm like, bet. Let's do it. And so we, so we start planning. What was also great about it is we did things a little bit um, uh, outside of the box. So we had our wedding our wedding ceremony, uh, very small, very just very close family, uh, and then our wedding party at uh, my grandparents' house. We had it in their backyard, uh, very small. 
um, and intimate. And the reason for that was I, this, we'll talk about this in another episode a little bit more, uh, in terms of mental health and the game of baseball, but I actually, uh, suffer from anxiety and suffer from panic attacks. And so, uh, to kind of help circumvent that, to kind of ease that away, uh, we kept our wedding ceremony very, very small. And so we did it that way. Uh, anxiety was great. Like we didn't, didn't have to battle through that too much, uh, with the ceremony. And so we did that. And then we left, we went on our honeymoon, uh, for a week or not for a week, for a few days and, uh, went, to just kind of on our honeymoon for a few days. Uh, our wedding ceremony was on a Monday. And then on a sa- on that Saturday, that following Saturday uh, is when we had our reception. And we basically were just like, invite everybody, like whoever wants to come, come. And so we had uh, our, our reception. Well, I mean, it was more of a party, but uh, we called it our, our wedding reception at the ballpark. So everything was ballpark themed. Our entire wedding party wore jerseys. Uh, my wife and I had personalized jerseys that said bride and groom with our date as the number uh, on our jerseys, stuff like that. We had baseball cupcakes. Like I said, we had a wiffle ball tournament. Uh, we had, we got to go down on the field and play around on the field. Our wedding party did not everybody, (laughs) our, our wedding party got to do. And because they, we, um, we were the first we did this kind of right when they first opened, like they were still pretty fresh. And so we got a smoking deal (laughs) to hold our wedding reception there, uh, because we told them, yeah, use any, they had a photographer there. Um, there was like, Hey, we're going to use, uh, uh, all these photos and stuff like that to publicize being able to have weddings here and, and whatnot. Do you mind if we take pictures of your wedding reception? And we're like, heck yeah, man. And so that was a blast. We had so much fun and it definitely took a lot of the pressure off me anxiety wise in terms of just it being very laid back. We still did all the kind of traditional things, uh, except for dancing. We didn't really do dancing, uh, but we did, I mean, the bouquet toss, we did the garter toss, which my wife was super clever and uh, had a Giants themed uh, garter, which was super cool. Um, But we did. So we did kind of all those things. My brother, who is my best man, was a phenomenal MC. Uh, We did a kind of a fun little mock press conference uh, beforehand uh, where I was kind of joking that I was a general manager signing Rachel to my team as a new player. Uh, and so it was just super fun. And um, so for me, because it's tied to my wedding and because my marriage is so phenomenal, uh, because of that Goodyear ballpark will f- probably forever be number one in my heart uh, for the number one ballpark in the Cactus League. So those are my top five. Sloan Park, Tempe Diablo Stadium, Scottsdale Stadium, Surprise Stadium, and Goodyear Ballpark as my number one. Those are my power rankings for Cactus League spring training sites. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Thinking Baseball. I'd like to thank Variety Sports Network and just all the support I get from them, all the amazing relationships that I'm making with Variety Sports Network. If you guys are interested in other shows, they have a lot of phenomenal other baseball shows that tackle other type of things than what I do here at Thinking Baseball. And there's just a lot of great content. So check out VSN Baseball on YouTube and subscribe there. Subscribe to VSN Football. 
VSN main channel, VSN collegiate. There's a new collegiate baseball program on there. So go check them out as well. And obviously thanks to all of our sponsors, row one, uh, bet us. And please, please, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, leave a rating, a review. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, um, go ahead and leave a rating and a review and engage with me on social media. That's IG uh, at thinking baseball pod. You can find me on Twitter at baseball thinking, no G at the end baseball thinking. Uh, and then we also have a Facebook group under the same name, thinking baseball. You can find our Facebook group there and join in the conversation there with hundreds of baseball fans as well. So thank you again so much for joining me on Thinking Baseball, where we use our brains, not just our opinions. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy the game of baseball as we are ramping up to the WBC and the 2023 regular season. See ya. Thank you.